Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. You are in the front end of a Mississippi minute, and my guest today, all right. I've been blessed to share the stage with many times. He has a spirit about him when he plays guitar that is like no other. Almost like it's his first time every time and plays it like it's going to be his last. A Grammy winning songwriter, musician, and most importantly, a guy that gives back and back and back. Please welcome from Hootie and the Blowfish, guitarist, songwriter, Mark Bryan. Hey, Mark. Hey, thank you, Steve, for having me on, buddy. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. So where are you heading right now? You're driving. Well, I'm, uh, I'm headed um, from my house to uh, a songwriting session, and on the way, I'm I had to stop by the dump and drop off a bunch of trash, and now I'm also on my way. I'm headed to the Habitat for Humanity to drop off an old set of box springs and bed frame that are in really good shape. I love that. So you're making that effort. This is uh, sort of a uh, my, one of my wife, Gwen, your buddy, and and my buddy. Uh, she she loves to she likes to recycle. She believes in it. She likes to make sure that we don't throw anything away like that. That we're going to give it to Salvation Army or uh, we have other other means as well. So that that obviously means a lot to you, right? To not not to throw it away. Yeah, I give, mean exactly. Like it, it's hard to find somebody to take a bed, but um, this bed's in good shape, and I wouldn't give it away if it wasn't worth something. So you know, I, lo- I took the time to find somebody that would take it and habitat takes them. So that's where I'm at. That's good. Good. You're a good man. Mark attends the Delta Soul when he can uh, every year down in Greenville. And uh, he uh, always the best way to explain Mark is um, we play a certain amount of music and he plays more than anybody. We'll be at Blues Bar uh, hanging out on Walnut Street. and He'll just start staring up at the stage and I'll watch him get mesmerized and watch him grab a guitar and play it. Like I said, it's just Mark. So let's go. I'm I'm I'm. I'm saying it because I want to go back to younger days and about just so your love affair, the first time you picked up a guitar. And <clears throat> there's just something about when you're playing to me, it's just the feeling I get watching or being around it, and especially the closer I am to it with you, I get this sense of like, this is like so meant to be that you did this. When was it yeah, when you picked up a guitar? Like, uh, yeah, man, I, I picked it up when I was about 12, but it, it's, it's really fun because... Uh, it was always the, the way the music affected me that I was listening to. And then it was always like that feeling of wanting to take that feeling and share that with somebody else. So it's always that connected thing of, of me taking what inspired me and trying to send that back through myself 
to the rest of the world. And uh, if that's you know not our purpose as musicians, I don't know what is. I mean, we got to share that that energy that comes from above. You know. I love it. So you were born where in in South Carolina? I was born in Maryland. About, oh, that's from, right. Uh, that's right. That's right. I'm from the suburbs of Washington D.C. in Maryland, and then I moved to South Carolina uh, in 1985, 89, in that area when I was at college. That's right. I always seem to get you know. I, I, I sort of strike out at the beginning of my interviews for some reason. I'm pretty consistent. The listeners are probably going, there he goes again. He's missed his uh, calculations. But but I, that's right. I, I, no, I, knew I mean, a lot, of people, a lot of people think I'm from South Carolina because the band is and because I've lived here for so long. But, uh, but you know, growing up outside of D.C. was actually really a, a great experience. I, I mean, it was, you know, it's an international city. And uh, there were kids in my classes from all over the world. And, and we had a really good um grew up in a county that had a really good education system and, and so I'm really thankful for that. I have great friends from growing up that I'm still in touch with all the time and so th- that was a great part of my life. Settling in Charleston, South Carolina was maybe the smartest thing I've ever done. I love it here. Well, you've, you've obviously not only lived and and uh and just ma- made your life there but you've done so much for the community. We're going to get into that a little later. But okay, so let's go back to school cuz you're an athlete. Uh, I've been I've been around you long enough to know, like especially like in volleyball and things like that. So when you're growing up and you're 12 years old, you pick up a guitar. I was about the same age. I was 11, 12. It, and it's funny how much of a better guitar player that you got than me. Uh, obviously, I took a different route, <laughs> but 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 that's all right. So um, take me your early childhood, because uh, I always make the argument that that growing up and doing something else besides what you ended up doing that was competitive uh, helps you in any any uh, form of life any work that you do later uh not just the yeah, winning no, the well, losing so take me back to 12 athletically what'd you do well first thing i want to say is uh thank you for the compliment about my guitar but i sure wish i could sing like you so that's no. how it all works but um but no when i was pl- growing up playing um team sports i think was a really valuable thing for me my dad was a coach he never coached me, but I would always go to his practices. He coached older kids. Being around that mentality, that having that gym rat mentality, you kind of learn early on about the structure of what makes a team work, how a team works together, and I think that really helps later on with our band. And, and you know, the other guys in the band all played team sports as well growing up, so we all knew we're having that team sport mentality helped the band uh, have a good chemistry, which I think was a, a very positive thing for us. And then um, also that the idea behind when you, you learn in sports how hard you have to work at something to get good at it, whether it's shooting 100 free throws after every practice, or basketball, or whatever it might be. And if you take that same mentality to music, it's just about, you know, you, you do those scales till you can really get them down, whether it's vocally or on your guitar or on piano or learning banjo or whatever it might be. You, you, you have to do it. You have to put in the hours. And, and we learned that, I think, uh, that aspect from sports. Sports kind of trains you in that direction, and we're able to, to translate that into our musical career, and I think that helped the band a lot. Right, and, and and a team is only as strong as its weakest link, and you guys getting to know you guys. Sorry for that cliche. I apologize. <laughs> I almost whipped out a Bon Jovi lick. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, so wait a minute. Okay, spent a lot of time on the golf course, and I've done it with, obviously, and written with Sony, um, with Jim Sonyfield. Just the four of you together, I could see all of you like making sure you didn't let the other one down and uh, with Hootie and the Blowfish and all the success. Now, we haven't gotten there yet, and I know our listeners are going like, will you get to the, will you please get to it? But uh, I can. I have to tease them for a little while. So tease you guys. Okay, so let's let's leave high school. 
Um, you, why did you decide on, decide on South Carolina? You know, my dad was a, a broadcaster when I was growing up. He did uh, GW games in D.C. with Mike Patrick. He was still local. And so when I was in junior high, middle school, I was going to those games and and watching my dad do his thing. And then if I couldn't go to the game, I'd listen to him on the radio. You know, And I, I kind of felt like that was something that would be a good fit for me to study. And U- University of South Carolina had a really good journalism school at the time. They still do. But it was broadcast journalism was what I was interested in, in majoring in. Um, I think I knew music's what I really wanted to do, but I wanted to have that degree in something that I was also interested in, sort of as an area to fall back if the music thing didn't work out. And so I went to South Carolina and studied broadcast journalism. And who lived on my hall and was also studying broadcast journalism? Darius Rucker. <laughs> There's no way. Well, there's this is the the plan that's not really in your plan. This is what exactly. the things that are meant to be in our lives. And uh, you know, I struggle uh, faith wise sometimes, uh, Mark, with trying to force things. You know, the the round peg in the square hole, or vice versa. Feeling like I can make this plan happen, right? And then you, and then just things sort of happen. Even when you're writing songs, you can when they're forced, they don't work. When when it's just natural and it's it's sort of like out of our hands uh anything in our lives i feel like that you know the 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 person you fall in love with uh you know there's there's out of your hands sometimes it's like you can't force it to happen it just has to be easy and so that's right so i love that okay so we're talking to mark bryan uh guitarist grammy winning musician songwriter from hootie and the blowfish and also a lot of solo projects mark's done and a whole lot of foundation and giving back that he's done like i think um really to be honest with you mark you know we we all have one a lot of our friends have one one foundation one cause one purpose and you've got multiple ones and and like i said i want to get to that later okay let's just go back i want to take i want to dive back just for a second high school were there any state titles big district wins anything what sports did you excel in the most basketball is probably my best sport about halfway through high school i just my dad had been like I said, coaching, so he knew the coach really well for our high school. And the coach was expecting me to be a starter by senior year and, you know, hoping for good things from me. But my dad noticed I was playing a lot more guitar than I was basketball. Right. And he came to me and said, hey, if that's what your passion is now, you need to let the coach know that because he's expecting you to spend an hour day on basketball. Um, and so I, he said, you know, you got to pick, I think you should pick one or the other. And I chose when I was about 16 years old, 17 years old, I chose uh, music over sports and just made that made, made that shift in commitment uh, physically and mentally and, and went to the coach and explained it to him. And he was like, well, so he said, I'm, I'm disappointed, but he's like, I'm really happy to, that you came to me about it. And um, and then senior year when I was playing in the jazz ensemble recital, there was the basketball coach in the crowd watching me. Like He, I, he came especially to check me out. So, And he goes, son, you made a good choice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the coach. So I'm not sure if that was uh, in reference to my basketball skills or how good I got the guitar. I'm not sure what. I've had a few of but, those uh, moments. <laughs> We're but talking. Yeah, but that was a pivotal moment for me, and, I, and I'm really thankful to my dad for having the foresight to come to me and say, "Hey, if this is what you're passionate about. You need to go ahead and make that decision and make that commitment." And um, it was a, it was the right advice. I love it. We're talking to Mark Bryan, Hooting the Blowfish. I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi minute. We'll be right back.
No other news team covers the Magnolia State like News Mississippi. On air with reports every hour and breaking news as it happens. News Mississippi at newsms.fm. The official news provider for Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Steve Azar, you are back in a Mississippi Minute. Uh, we are making our way out through all 60 of them with my brother Mark Bryan, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, Grammy-winning songwriter, uh, a re- just recording artist, solo artist, great songwriter, but incredible guitar player, uh, born to do it. And as we can see, you were born to do it because you worked your tail off to get as good as you are. So uh, in that interesting, you know, as as Mark, I don't know about you, but for me, like touring with some touring and getting on the road and getting to know really successful people and being around it. To me, the the artists that have been the most successful, the songwriters who have been the most successful aren't the ones that were just like born with this. You know, they were uh, a prophecy. They were, you know, the they were a savant it's not about that it's about how hard they worked and how when you're around them you get that um the greatest publishers i've been around some songwriters of the decade uh who wrote everything you know i never saw a guy work so hard and uh i think that that's your mentality and you're showing that through growing up and deciding i'm i'm gonna be all in with guitar giving away the basketball thing which by the way i'm at that that upsets me a little bit because i would have liked to have seen how good of a hooper you'd be my listeners know i'm all about hoop i'm all about the hoops and uh, except for the referee thing I'm, I'm still not i like the people behind the stripes i just don't like it when they put the stripes on that's it yeah so. So, especially <laughs> on that player control call yeah. it, goes, it goes both ways <laughs> yeah, it sure does all right so mark so you go to south carolina you're a freshman wait you got a band you're you're starting your first band is it the wolf the wolf brothers in, at yeah, South Carolina? So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah it, Dar- when Darius and I realized that not only were we living on the same hall and studying the same classes, but we also knew a lot of the same songs, um, and then he could sing and I could play guitar. So we were, Darius was like, hey, man, uh, there's this guy who has a little restaurant across the street, and he'll give us uh, free beer if we come play like one <laughs> night a week. And so we did it. And the first time we did it, there was a buddy on our hall nicknamed Wolf, and Wolf wanted to introduce us and when he did he named us after himself as the wolf brothers oh i love that <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> um and and so you know uh now taking it back to high school real quick you know dean our bass player and i grew, grew up together in maryland and we were in a cover band in high school together too so uh when we started doing this in college you know he, he was the obvious choice when we started talking about making it into a band when we asked him about it, he's like, man, I don't want to play in another cover band. Like, come on, guys. And uh, so we didn't know what else to do at that point. So Darius just basically begged him until he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he would show up late to gigs, so Darius eventually had to move in with him, and they became roommates so Darius could get him to the gig on time. Oh, come on. I love it. That's incredible. <laughs> so we're talking about Dean Felber, the bass player, uh, and Darius Rucker, That's obviously. Right. And then we're talking to Mark Bryan right now. And Jim Sonyfield's not in the mix yet, but I'm not spoiling the story, That's so correct. keep going. Yeah, so we did that cover band thing for the first three years of college. And Dean was in, he ended up being thankful for it because we never needed to get jobs during college because we made enough playing on the weekends to right. you know, make a little money. And, um, and so we did that as undergrads. And then when senior year rolled around and we started – 
um, getting serious about life, you know, we decided we wanted to start writing songs. And um, our drummer at the time decided he was going to move on and become a worship minister. We needed a new drummer, and at that time, Jim Sony Sonnefeld uh, was playing in another cover band, but he was starting to write songs. And he was in one of my classes, and we were talking about songwriting, and we realized, hey, we're both starting to get creative with this, and our band needs a drummer. And so he jumped over to Hootie and uh, started writing with us, and, and the first song he brought in was Hold My Hand. Wow. All right, okay, so Hold My Hand is the first thing you get, the very first. So as a songwriter, this is very upsetting to me. I just want you to know that. So it was like my uh, thousandth and first. Um, and so this is just amazing. So this is what we're talking about. You guys have gone through all of this separation and you come together. And the first thing is this. It's just, it's in. It's not in your hands, man. This is in part yeah, of the, no, part of the there, punch. There's definitely some fateful moments, as you would say. Right. Um, you know, and there are more that come after that. But, you know, certainly uh, there was there was a chemistry involved early on for, for the four of us. And um, every time we, we got together early on, magic happened. People showed up. There were good shows. And it just kept growing. And, um, and even to this day, you know, as we move forward to looking at another project, I, I feel like it's still there. And I feel like that right. electricity is still going to be there. So I agree with you. It's bigger than us. And it's right. cool. Okay, so you're going. So you guys are together. Your first song you write is "Hold My Hand," which is on your day. Well, that was the first song that Sony brought in. We've okay. written some other songs. Yeah, um, Sony's a great writer, know. by the way. I've written with Sony, um, and because uh, he had written with friends of mine like Radney Foster, who I'd written with. So that kind of the Nashville thing when we were doing it, and he came in, a really great songwriter, totally gets it. All of you do. All of you guys are great songwriters, which is interesting Sony that you didn't start till you were a senior. Yeah, no, he is a great songwriter, and stylistically, he's just different enough than the other three of us to where um, it, he brings a really cool style to our already existing sound. And then uh, and the same is true for all four of us. Everybody brings in a different style that when you match it with the other four, uh, it makes a nice thing. So we're really blessed to have that. And so we, so Sonny came in with that, and we started uh, one of Darius's first songs was Let Her Cry. Uh, one of my first songs is Only Want to Be With You, and Darius wrote the lyrics to it. So we just kind of had that thing going on. And even Dean was bringing stuff in for the first album. Some of the deeper cuts that you hear on the first album are actually written by Dean. So which feels like Dean, early. you know? It feels like Yeah, which, which early on, so we realized early on that uh, we had a nice, um, you know, we were blessed to have four creative people in the band. And our attorney, Gus, was really smart and told us to do things like R.E.M. did and just split the publishing so that we would never be arguing over that since we're all songwriters. And uh, I think it was a really healthy thing for the band to have done. Well, yeah, because you can't go back. And I mean, we've done that. I've been in, in writing sessions when I've been on fire and, and the other hasn't, or I've been less and they've been on fire. You just got to decide when you go in there, you're writing a song together. It, take, it relieves the pressure and you never go back and think of it. So that is right. the way to do it. And California, I think that they spend a lot of time with records trying to de decipher how much of a song somebody wrote. And that would drive me crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And, yeah, and, um, yeah so we that took that off the table early on, and right. we were able to be really creative and, and uh, productive for, for years after that. So as this mentality. is go as this is going down, I want our listeners to understand this. Of all the records that have ever been made... All the records in history, all the Beatles, the Elvis, you name it, the B.B. King, the Bon Jovi, the Bruce Springsteen, we can go on and on, Led Zeppelin, everything. You guys have got the top 12 most sold records 
in history. So this record is being created, right? And could you, at looking at the time that you were there, if you could ever just kind of look forward and see that number. I mean, that's crazy to me, Mark. I mean, that's you're talking about rock and roll history. You are talking about yeah, the yeah. REMs. And do you ever sit back and go, man, I mean, does it ever hit you? Or are you just, are you, you know, no, yeah, no big? Yeah, so, you know, early on, we could tell that every time we would play somewhere, the next time we would go back, there'd be more people and they'd be singing, you know, hold my hand or let her cry or I want to be with you or whatever it was. We could tell that it, it was working. People were digging the stuff, coming back, singing along, learning the songs. And so the thought was, if that could translate on a national level, who knows how big this could be, you know, but obviously nobody knows. And so our guess was, hey, man, it'd be great if we could sell like 200,000 records. Right. And obviously it, it got way bigger than that, which is just a, a beautiful thing. And um, it's a phenomenon. There's no way to explain it other than, you know, the chemistry was right at the right time. And um, we, we were blessed with that much success. And I think it gives us a responsibility, and that's where the giving back thing starts to come in. Right. And it also gives us the responsi- responsibility to start to, to always um, try to, to convey a message or write something with purpose because people are listening. We, we worked hard enough and we're good enough to get to where people are really listening to what we do. Right. And so I think there's a responsibility with that that comes with that to, to write purposeful music that can make a difference on the planet. Well, and, that, that's um, and then something also to give back wherever you can. Okay. I, I love that. And listen, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to interrupt. That's something to me that I've noticed, but, but it was already a silver lining in all of your songs from the get go. I think that that was the spirit of each, each and every one of you and it's never changed. So where some people have success and there's change and maybe growth, I think that you guys were already grown up in that in that spirit of of compassion, and it comes out in your lyrics. So if you go back and look at your first bodies of work, I think that that was always embedded in you guys. And I I think it comes from your upbringing. I think it comes from this uh, natural ability that you guys four four guys met that were destined to be true friends and brothers. You know, you're you're forced into your brotherhood when you're younger. You're, you're born into a genetic brothers, but when you go out and find them, right? And you experience right. these things. It's so much deeper, and you get so much more done. Uh, I'm talking to Mark Bryan. You are in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. But before we're back, Mark, I need you to answer me one question. Mississippi is the birthplace of American music, not South Carolina, although I love coming to visit you there. But we are, and we celebrate that. So I'm going to ask you to lead us into the break with a little Howlin' Wolf or North Mississippi All-Stars, your choice. I love it when I stump oh, everybody. Yeah. yeah, you got Howlin' Wolf or North Mississippi All-Stars. Okay, cool, man. Well, you can't lose there. But um, I'd like to go to North Mississippi because they always surprise me. Whenever I always hear something new and cool. So I love it. See what, see what you got for those boys for me. Luther and Cody, we're bringing them up right here. We'll be right back. So please. It's homegrown. It's about home. It's hometown. Super Talk, Mississippi. 
If it might change your life or how you do business, you'll know about it thanks to Paul Gallo, JT, Rebecca Turner, and Matt and Richard of Head to Head. From the laws that made it through the legislature to the four-star recruit headed to your favorite Mississippi college. We're all about keeping you in the know. Super Talk Mississippi and supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some hope. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the great Mark Bryan. Uh, has Grammy Awards on his trophy case somewhere, probably in the closet. If you're, he's like Dan Tominski, uh, who I'll be interviewing soon, Dan has 15 of them, and he says he keeps the foam. Uh, uh, he uses it as studio tile, and he doesn't know where the trophies are because he loves the foam that they come in, the, the cases, which is kind of interesting. All right, where's your Grammy Awards? Where are they sitting? Uh, they are uh, they're up on the mantle, actually. Uh, my, uh, my ex-wife did a nice job redecorating my house, and... Uh, she has to prominently displayed on the mantle with several of the other cool awards that we won over the years. Most recent, which was an Emmy for the for the TV show that I've been uh, producing and hosting live at the Charleston Music Hall. Okay, I want to I want to get back to a little bit of Hootie stuff, but I want to talk about live. So tell me about the show. Well, about uh, seven years ago, the owner of the Charleston Music Hall came to me and he said, "Mark, I, I'm not a promoter. I don't know what to do with this beautiful historical room that I have here." Um, any ideas? And I said, well, I'm not a promoter either, either. You know, I'm not going to start buying shows here. But I said, I could see making like a, you know, an Austin City Limits style TV show here in Charleston right out of your venue. And he loved the idea. So I went to the PBS station here in South Carolina called uh, SCE TV. And they got behind it and said, we were looking for that type of, of programming. We'd love it if you put something together. So I uh, went and found some investors and made a season one. It went really well, and we're on the air right now nationally on about 45 different PBS stations. Okay, that's incredible. Um, yeah, and we and we won an Emmy for the first season, a regional Southeastern Emmy, which was really cool. And uh, we got artists on there like Sam Bush and Edwin McCain and Sister Hazel and Toad the Wet Sprocket and... Uh, all your friends, all oh, you guys, you're pulling in your on. friends, right? You're calling your friends, That's like exactly like, right. like I'm doing with this radio show. I'm calling in my friends. <laughs> do you exactly do right. you run out of friends because I'm worried about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're only we're just now starting season two, so I don't have that problem yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Trust me. Okay, so you got this. So now, is it is it multi genre? Is it just your artist friends, people that you just admire and just love the music? <laughs> genre is based around my friends but it's also based on who's coming to town and playing the hall so we'll do shows either way like like in the case of uh getting maybe a doing a steve azar episode i'll invite you in for it and we'll do it that style but you know if, if uh if it just so happens that uh tom waits is coming through and playing the music hall and he's willing to do an episode then we'll do that too so that got me excited you know, just, right uh, there big tom waits fan my yeah. my son got me into tom waits <laughs> And a buddy of mine back in Nashville years ago, and uh, it's a bucket list thing for me to take my oldest son out in California to to be with him uh, at a Tom Waits show. Yeah, I mean he's, he's one of the all time great writers and and uh, mood stylists. So. Yeah, 
Oh, for sure. Crazy guy. I love it. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So you've got this. So you, you won a, a regional Emmy. Uh, and now in your, how many, mar- how many PBS mar- markets did you say? I think it's like 45. Okay. That's incredible. So you're, yeah, this another thing that you just sort of just started, when did it start? To, when did the ball start to roll in and the snowball start to work out? You know, that, um, happened right when Hootie kind of took a break, uh, from touring, you know, eight or 10 years ago or whatever. The, the, the TV show fell in place right after that, as did my, my time with the College of Charleston where I was teaching music industry. Both of those things happened during the last decade when we were not touring. So if you think about it, or when I, when I think about it, it feels like the right things that, to be doing when I'm not on the road. Um, so I've really enjoyed those two endeavors. Okay, so Live Charleston, the name of it again is Live. What is it exactly? Live at the Charleston Music Hall. Okay, so tell me, how, how can people, can they go back and go online or go back and listen? Is yeah. there an app or what? Yes, thank you for asking that. The best way to check it out is to go to pbs.org and search live at the Charleston Music Hall. All right. And all of the episodes will just pop up in front of you there. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing. We're talking to Mark Bryan, uh, fantastic, amazing, one of the greatest guitar players ever. Uh, And I have played with a lot of great ones, and I get moved every time I'm near his guitar. Uh, going back to your dad, I love your dad gave me the ultimate compliment. He goes, I love it when you two guys are together. <laughs> and I was like, man, that is the greatest compliment ever. And now that I know your dad was a coach and, uh, you know, I feel like he'd have been angry at me for all the shots I took that I shouldn't. Of, uh, but uh, just loved his spirit and getting to meet him at one of your other events, which I want to talk about, which is the Mark and Denny Pro-Am. Uh, you and Denny Hamlin, right? You do this uh, event. Uh, this is where I got really moved. You know, we're trying to do the Delta Soul and make sure the arts are preserved down here in kids. You've taken it to a different level because I get to go to the Delta Music Institute once a month uh, at Delta State, which used to be our intramural basketball court, and now it sits as world-class recording studios. Uh, it's amazing, amazing, amazing music program. Uh, if I'd have had this there, I wouldn't have been a bad pre-med major. I'd have been 10 years ahead of my time. I always say that. And you've already got this thing going where the kids come on stage and you have nurtured this talent and you showcase it in an amazing way. I was really moved by the talent and you actually working with the kids. Now, I've been doing that, but not at the level. It just seemed more personal. And I feel like I've been dropping the ball here and it it, it inspires me and it motivates me. So tell me what goes on with that foundation of yours and uh, and the importance and, and why do you do it? Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, a guidance counselor from the school system came to me and he said, the best way I can connect with these kids who are having behavioral problems at school is through music. And so he said, I want to start an after-school program that promotes music um, and, and music career and, and making music. And so he came to me and I just thought it was a great idea. And we started um, Carolina Studios, a nonprofit after-school recording studio for kids, you know, 8 to 18, and um, and got a board going about 10 years ago and, you know, made it official and and um, hired instructors, and we've tried to tried to spread the program all over Charleston, and um, we've had some success with it. The most success we've had is we've got a mobile uh, version of the studio on a school bus that was donated by one of our partners uh, with the Pro-Am Jam, and we're able to go and take the program around to different schools and summer camps 
and allow kids to just get in there and make music, make beats and make music um, on Logic software. And so it's a, it's just a very rewarding thing to give back to the community. I know when I was a teenager, I would have loved to have something like that. I was starting to write songs, and I didn't know how to record them, and I would have loved to have had a, a place to go. But you know how it is. Any recording studio is 500 to to 1000 a day. No kid can afford that. Right. Well, back in so, our time, they were crazy expensive. You couldn't, you couldn't yeah, even look so, at them. Yeah. It's so great to have to be able to offer that for kids today through this program. Carolina Studios dot uh, net is where you can find it online. Carolina Studios dot Carolina Studios dot net. So we have a, mo- a music mobile lab that goes as well, and we've gone to like uh, stage sort of phase so phase one of a troubled child where they're sent off from their families, and uh, uh-huh. I've gotten to write songs with the group there. Uh, you're talking about older teens. Uh, and I have witnessed and felt the same thing, meaning it's amazing. So I'm with the Delta. This is the Delta Music Lab. The Delta Music Institute Lab is the school at Delta State. So this is where I went to college. And, and Mark, it's incredible. Uh, the feeling I got when I left, at no point did I feel there was an attitude. It's like music broke down the walls of whatever it was that troubled them. And they were able to express themselves. And I was able to leave. I left. I remember going like, that's the greatest feeling I've ever had. And we also go, and, and they do more than I do. I'll slip in every once in a while with the younger kids, like the gifted kids in schools and public schools that are, you know, third and fourth grade. It's absolutely amazing that music literally has no, there are no barriers. And you're right. And it's like, you know, you think a teenager would have an attitude or a little kid would be like, I'm not interested. Music is the most, it's, it's amazing how it just, it's so universal, and it matters it is, so and much. And, you know, a lot of kids, as we know, are athletes, and they're out on the field or on the court after school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, playing, doing their thing. But not every kid is an athlete. And so the kids who aren't athletes who have uh, musical or production capabilities, this is a way for them to find that. You know, right. there's no, until you can get into a studio or get to college and study it, there's no way for them to find it. So, we're providing this for them at a young age, letting them know that, hey, this is a viable career. This is something that if you have talent in this or you're interested in this, you can pursue it starting now in, in middle school or high school. And right. Start, start to write songs and start to, you know, build your career as a producer. So, well, I've seen the great. talent. You've got some serious talent because it's very moving to watch, uh, you know, to watch what you've given somebody that opportunity to, to share that with all of us. The other thing uh, is that uh, I think that uh, after school programs – We've we've done a lot of charity events for after school programs. That that time when when there's no parent at home from three to five thirty in the afternoon is as much. Right. It's so important to the growth of the child. And when they're not being taught, instead they're being mentored. It becomes a big difference, and that changes the world. We're talking to Mark Bryan. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi minute. Don't go nowhere. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. It's easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more. For news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi, the conversation starts here. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar with Mark Bryan on the down flip side of a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I was texting Mark this morning. He goes, the interview's 50 minutes? <laughs> I said, Mark, and as all of our friends are going... What are you doing, Steve? And I'm going like, man, I'm on the other side of the interview. I'm actually getting to know my friends a lot better. So for, for that, I'm blessed. Hey, Mark, so uh, I remember seeing something where you guys, Hooting the Blowfish, were asked, what's different about you guys? And I remember seeing the, the answer was, we're normal. Now, did I dream that or was that true? Well, I mean, I don't know that we gave that exact answer, but that might have been how we were described. I mean, it was at a time where uh, that, that question was asked a lot when we first came up, and that was a time where, um, at the time, grunge, grunge was the big music, and everybody had long hair and flannels, and here come these short-haired guys, uh, other than, than Sonny's little soccer haircut. Um, yeah, he was a soccer player. You know, right? Yeah, so we, we here come these uh, guys who just you know, dress normal, sort of act normal, um, making making pop rock music instead of trying to make something really hard and different and it just was i think we were looked at as a bunch of normal guys at the time which was welcome i think at the time people were looking for something a little more normal it wasn't anything we ever set out to do it's just right. who we were and we were just being ourselves and i'll tell you the great thing about it was not having an image was so wonderful because you could literally wake up and just be yourself all day long in front of the cameras wherever you were if you, if I was going to wake up and wear shorts and a baseball cap that day, well, that's what I did anyway. And we were on TV looking like that, and everything. We just we didn't feel like we had to do any image other than who we already were. Man, and we were successful at that, and that was such a blessing. It really was. Well, you you guys lean toward those people. Uh, we've become friends. I've never had a stylist. I mean, I think one time they made me do something. It was probably good for me, and I probably needed a stylist, but I always did my own thing. I didn't have makeup. I, it freaked me out, you know? So, you know, I dressed like I wanted to dress at the time, and I did my own thing, and I just felt like, I mean, that like you said, you didn't have to turn into anybody. You didn't have to put a cape on and become Superman. Mark Bryan right now is delivering his mattresses. I'm, I'm hearing him a little breathy, which is awesome, uh, to Habitat for Humanity. This is one of the beautiful things about our brother Mark Bryan and his soul. Uh, the act of giving matters to you, and I think that that's so cool. Uh, but... But what's even cooler is the how you how the your fingers line with those strings and how they bend, and uh, and we were recently together at your I think since 2006 I've been to ten of of the MAMS Monday after the Masters for everybody that don't know is a huge event that uh, that Mark and and Dean and Sony and Darius have it's their event and the world comes and it's like uh, it's like a I mean, it's like unbelievable. There's food at every, there's massage chairs, there's foods at, food at every station on the golf course, every tee box. Um, there's great concerts, and you guys go out and you do your thing. Uh, how many How many years have you been doing it? 24, and you have been a great addition to it, Steve. So thank you for oh. all your input and uh, the energy you bring to it, man. You know, you're you're part of the draw these days, and it's great. No, you're being way too kind, and I love it. I'm honored and humbled to be there, and it's been great. We had the guy, you had the guy, the lead singer from Earth, Wind, and Fire this year, and I was like, whoa. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Then you've had meatloaf, and I remember just standing next to meatloaf, and I was going, like, the "Meatloaf." You know, it's just, it's just so bizarre. And everybody comes together. You guys do a, a Hootie and the Blowfish set, um, and then you guys bring everybody up one at a time. And that's how we learned to do our Delta Soul that way, Mark. We've been watching. You know, we've we've learned how to do that stuff from you guys. And uh, so, so look what you've done, and you guys have done. We're talking to Mark Bryan. Mark, tell me about your la- latest solo project. Um, I released an album last August. It was my third solo album. That was a, a collection of songs that I'd written, you know, during this same hiatus we were talking about, uh, where Hootie stopped touring and had a bunch of new material over the years. And, um, you know, I have a recording studio at my house. So aside from producing other artists, I'm always still making my own songs whenever I get the chance. Um, so I dropped that last August. And it was fun because I recorded them one at a time this time. Instead of sitting down and recording an album all in one go, I would I would record them as I was writing them and finishing them, and I would go ahead and drop them. And so that was a different approach. And I recorded if there's twelve songs on the album, they were probably recorded over a period of four or five years. Right. So I had never done it that way before, and um, I really enjoyed that. It's a different approach that really worked. I love it. It's a fantastic record. So how can people get that? Oh man, easy to find. Mark Bryan, B R Y A N. Uh, Songs of the Fortnite is the name of it, and you can yep. find it on iTunes and Amazon and everywhere. Uh, Mark, uh, do we have any news of possibility of of you and the boys getting back together and doing another Hootie and the Blowfish record? Steve, we've already started the writing process for a new album. I'm very excited. Hopefully, we'll drop. Hopefully, we'll drop it next spring and tour next year as Hootie and the Blowfish. For the first time in a decade, now we've played a bunch of shows in that time, but we just haven't done any touring. So that's amazing. Um, that's it'll, exciting. It'll be fun. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. We have been with the great Mark Bryan, Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, he can he has a, a great vertical leap. I've seen it uh, on stage, and uh, I did not have a good vertical leap. I had to be coming in full force and jump off of one leg. But uh, <laughs> We've had a great time, Mark. I can't thank you enough. I love you, brother. Uh, blessings, and uh, and thanks for coming on and being on In a Mississippi Minute. I love you, too, Steve. Thanks a lot for having me, buddy. Okay, get back to it later on. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Sweeping across the country. JT and Rhino. They don't tiptoe around anything. They're not afraid to just tell you like it is, and they have opinions that are strong. The JT Show. And you have to respect them for that. Weekdays at 10, Super Talk, Mississippi. No other news team covers the Magnolia State like News Mississippi. On air with reports every hour and breaking news as it happens. News Mississippi at newsms.fm. The official news provider for Super Talk, Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.